All right, welcome back to the Out of Bounds podcast presented by FingerLakes1.com. Josh Durso and Nate Sharman here inside the all-new FingerLakes1.com studio. I think new is the theme of this week's episode. We got a new PGA Tour season underway. Uh, we've got new live news, live tour news, uh, and then also, obviously, our new studio. But pretty sweet to be here, right? Yeah, for sure, Josh. It's definitely missed it the last few weeks being on this show with you and talking golf. Don't worry, viewers out there. Josh and I still talked plenty of golf in the last few weeks. We did. And as we, we always do. And we played. And we played golf. We played golf. Yes, right. We play golf, live golf, eat golf, whatever you want to say, right? Do it at all. So we're really good to be back in here. And it's like you said, Josh, inside the new FI1 studio. Kudos to Paul over there producing today, uh, helping us out with his studio. It's been a work, good work in progress, but... I like to think we're getting closer and closer to our finished product. Yeah, there's going to be some changes, I think, over the next uh, over the next few weeks here as we work out some of the kinks. Perhaps the, the most important improvement here, though, is the fact that we finally got some comfortable chairs. You and I are sitting on chairs that don't make us feel like we're back in the 11th grade. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely not sore at the end of the show anymore, so that's a good thing. Yeah, it's great. Uh, also great. Uh, highly entertaining President's Cup this past weekend, even if maybe it wasn't the most competitive President's Cup we've ever seen. Yeah, a lot of fun to watch. There's so many good storylines. Of course, uh, the Americans, first of all, taking the taking it by score 17 or 17 and a half to 12 and a half. Nine consecutive President's Cups Unreal. have gone to the Americans. Unreal. Well, that's Unreal. beyond dominant. I mean, that's just a wild statistic to have. So let's, as we get into the President's Cup, maybe not so minus the golf, but what are your kind of favorite storylines that came out of Quail Hollow last weekend? So I think the, the biggest takeaway for me, and I'll call this a storyline, is just how deep Team USA is. Yeah, for sure. It's unreal. American golf has not been as deep as it is right now. I, I maybe ever. Right. I mean, golf in general, professional golf in general, obviously is a lot deeper than it ever has been in the last 20 to 30 years even going back into the Tiger era. But my God, this US team is deep. And even with the, the live defections that uh, removed a couple, we'll call them world-class uh, American golfers, um, it's still an incredibly deep team. And who knows, the, the, the crazy thing, I think, is just how you don't know who's going to be there next year, who's going to be one of those up-and-coming names next season. and. That's that's really awesome. That's a great place for golf to be. Yeah, you think about like match play events the last, you know, close to probably 10 years in terms of Ryder Cups, in terms of President's Cup. You take a look at America, the first guy that comes to the list is Captain America, Patrick Reed. Yep. And he's not there. You know, that's a guy that's been so much fun over the last few years in match play events, really takes the America thing by storm. Oh, he's got those famous matches with Rory McIlroy. Obviously not here anymore with Liv. That's a whole other discussion. But um, I think those guys at the back half of the team, like you said, Josh, the depth, you know, your Max Homas, your Kisner, Kisner, not a great record, but a, a great team guy. But a, a couple other of those players played so well this week, and that goes to show that they can go another, and, you know, and I think maybe a top four or five of those guys could leave for live hypothetically. You could find four or five more guys that are just as good when they're on the golf team. That's it. And that's, you know, when you were watching it, um, what were, what were what were you thinking? What were you feeling in terms of the, the big takeaways or the, the big storylines? I think the big storyline for me starts with Max Homa. Max Homa's a guy, you know, I think he's 31 years old, has not played on a Ryder Cup or a uh, President's Cup in his career. He was a Walker Cup participant. I believe they won the Walker Cup. Um, you know, an older guy, kind of a late bloomer. So now he finally gets on this President's Cup team. He's playing that match with Billy Horschel on Friday makes that 15, 20-footer on, on 17 to win the hole, 
makes another 15 to 20 footer on Sunday, lets out a big tiger style roar to win that match. I just thought, I was sitting there watching on my couch, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, it was really, really cool television and to watch Max Oma kind of come down the stretch with that emotion and all these things talking about how the President's Cup may lack emotion this year, it certainly didn't, especially on the Max Homa side. No, it, it was really impressive. And, you know, I think maybe another one of the bigger takeaways for me was just how impressive Jordan Spieth was. Yeah. Here's oh, yeah. a guy who, God, I'm convinced at this point that he's never going to get his full due because of that bad stretch that he had yeah. for a few years. To just be as long-term consistent, like just take those two years out of it, or three years, whatever it wound up being. We're talking about literally one of the best golfers of the last 15 years. For sure. And it's not even debatable. Do you think if he doesn't hit that ball in the water on 12 at Augusta in, what, 2017-ish, do you think that does not happen to him for those three years? Do you think he continues to play at the high level that he was? I always, I, I know this is something we weren't planning on talking about today, but I always think it's interesting to think about, you know, if he doesn't chunk two balls in the water, what his career looks like, or if that, maybe that doesn't change anything at all. That's interesting to think about. Chicken or the egg. So yes. was Jordan Spieth, so Jordan Spieth is pretty much viewed from the outside, um, and I mean this in a, in, a, in a good way, I suppose, a head case, right? Oh, for sure. So was he a head case before? And it yeah. just hadn't reared its head? Right. Or did he become one because of it and thereby really morph into one after the fact and kind of like drive himself into that place where he wound up going? My, my thought on it is, honestly, eventually something would have happened that created that scenario for him. Um, so overall, I'm going to lean towards those two shots didn't, didn't make it happen and we probably would have seen some kind of lull from him mm -hmm. just based on what his golf makeup is. Yeah, and based on how hard it is for professional golf to be dominant right. for that many years in a row. Yeah. I mean, there's only been a few guys in the history of the, of the history of the game that have been that dominant. Right. So how based on how hard it is, especially now with the influx of talent that we talk about. But it is always interesting to think about that Masters. I mean, I mean, his record was incredible. I mean, his five and zero this week, first like, American I mean, since twenty eleven to do that. And there weren't any there weren't any holes in his game. Like you, you we saw plenty of his matches over the weekend. Um, there weren't any like glaring holes in in his performance. Definitely not. So you know, it's just one of those things. And obviously, it's not a perfect it's not a perfect encapsulation of where you know these players' games are or are at. Um, in a team event like this, but at the same time, you can get a pretty good idea of you know who your your longstanding best players are. Jordan Spieth is this gen one of this generation's best longstanding golfers. Period. For sure, and the Americans know that in terms of Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler didn't have the best week, but he's in there. Xander Schauffele, Patrick Cantlay, to name a few. Let's go over the international side, though. I know this year, obviously, we've talked about live so much. Do you think the losses of Cameron Smith, uh, Hokeem Neiman, Mark Leishman, Abraham Answer, do you think if you influx those guys, you took off a Taylor Pendrith, a, what's the other names that I wrote down, wrote, uh, written down here, um, Corey Connors, Mito Pereira, um, and replaced them with those four guys I changed? I mean, maybe the outcome of the President's Cup doesn't change in terms of the Americans winning. I think that'd be, that'd be quite the stretch based on how they played this weekend. I think they would have beat pretty much anybody in the world at that point, live or no live. Yeah. But I think down the road or maybe something of that effect, it really could have changed that. 
It would have been tighter, I think. It would have been closer. Yeah, I think sure. the Americans still would win. But like we were kind of talking about off air before we came here, you know, the Americans didn't have Patrick Reed, Mr. Captain America. Brooks Kapka. Um, Brooks right. Kapka, Dustin, Dustin Johnson, Johnson, who, according to, and we're going to talk about what Roy McElroy thinks of him, um, really no, no argument from most of those watching professional golf right now that Dustin Johnson is one of a, a handful of the best golfers on the planet. Right. So... You know, you can kind of go through and say, well, you know, Cam Smith and DJ cancel each other out. Patrick Reed and Joachim Neiman cancel each other out. Um, you know, does it, Abe answer or, you know, maybe one or two other possibilities, Mark Leishman, do they tip the scales? No, correct. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think so. Right. Um, but I think it would have made, and here's the, here's the bigger takeaway. It would have made some of the matches more interesting. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. I mean, obviously, watching Dustin Johnson play golf is is fun to watch, and watching mm -hmm. Cam Smith play golf, um, fun. Nothing against Mina Pereira or any of these other guys that right. are sort of not as well known. Um, but there's definitely a give and take there with how deep golf is, and how well known some players are versus others, and how quickly they're rising through. And in this sort of uh, in this sort of environment, I think a lot of people want to see the the brands, the, like the individual player brands, go at each other rather than just on paper the, the 12 best versus 12 best or whatever the number might be. Agreed, yes. And I think there's one more, one more big storyline out of the President's Cup we have to talk about. And it's a little bit negative. Um, we've talked so much <laughs> positives in the President's Cup. The TV coverage. <laughs> Anybody who watched the President's Cup this weekend on TV knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's, it's something we've talked about on the show before. That's something that they can learn about. And it seems like they just kind of keep doing it where they're, they're missing matches. You know, that home match on Friday, they didn't show it until like they were around like 16. You really didn't even, a Kisner, they didn't even know they were playing. Right. So that's something interesting to kind of look at. And I wanted to hear your take on that. I know I kind of explained it, but I'd love to hear what you have to say. Show more golf. Show more golf. Show more golf. That's mm. all it comes down to. Right. People want to see golf, and in that in that situation, um, it, you know, it goes back to when we were discussing the the PGA Tour playoffs a couple couple episodes ago, saying, well, could you do a match play format for all of the concern with television crews being able to and the producers of these television uh, broadcasts to be able to have more shots available to them. They had shots available to them that they weren't using. It's infuriating. Like you, these people want to, people who are watching golf want to see Kevin Kisner play. Right. He was picked for a reason. Like, yes, I know he's not one of the absolute best golfers on the planet, but he's one of those brands that people want to see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if the matches were total blowouts, if the matches were just, if the timing just didn't work and there were super competitive, really good matches um, in play that, that, you know, just kind of made it not possible, you can make an argument for it, but as a viewer, you don't really care. You want to see everybody. You want to see as much as you can when there's a finite number of players on like a normal week where there's 70 to 140 people playing at, at one time or around one block of time. You, you know, you had 20 something guys to follow. Follow Right. And I think that that's hard. something that Liv will always have a head up on. They'll always yes. be able yeah. to throw money at the situation and say, we want to, we will, we're going to show golf shots for the viewer. We're not going to go into the Butler cabin as much right. as PGA Tour is, or PGA Tour, or for the PGA is, they're going to 
show golf shots, and that's part of the shotgun starts too, right? That's kind of what emphasizes that. They're going to constantly show golf shots, and the fact where they have unlimited funds in funding, they can kind of pick and choose where their sponsorships go. And like you said, they show more golf shots, show more golf. They'll be able to show some of their guys that really kind of sh make sure what the tour is about and kind of ha go that way. So I think Liv kind of has that going for them. I think that's just all because they have all the money in the world. So just playing devil's advocate on that one, because does it feel like a cop-out to use that as an excuse, though, when it doesn't really, that wasn't why we weren't seeing certain golf matches. Like, I don't think anybody believes that those reasons are the reasons why we weren't seeing those golf matches. It literally feels like it was an error, like a mistake. But it's been, it's been happening, though. Right. You know, this so, is the first time we've had this discussion for the PGA. So not when, showing golf shots. Yeah, and I mean, in terms of, and obviously, who are we to talk about uh, that, that level of um, broadcast production? Right. Yes, agreed. But at the same time, does there not need to be a little more awareness among the production crew mm -hmm. that we need to get two more matches? We need to show more, a more diverse roundup of players when you're in a small event like that? Yeah, there's got to be a reason. I mean, the only reason I can think of is money, is that money and that TV deal. It's the only thing I can think of why they don't. Yeah, I, the, the part that's confusing to me there is like, do you think people are going to shut it off because you show the Kevin Kisner match? You show six more shots from gonna the Kevin Kisner match? They're going to show it off because you don't show the Kevin Kisner match, it's like, right? Yeah, I mean, so if that's the mindset, then what what these producers think they're gaining yeah, I don't know. by playing it the way they are playing. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Well, I have no idea. They have it's obligations that they have to follow, I suppose, and that's really all I can think of, like I said. Yeah, and we are going to talk about television, television deals, uh, in the live golf space. Um, but I guess first things first, let's talk about um, live golf, the President's Cup, and now we've got where team golf is on everybody's mind. Yep. So we just saw a good, a great team golf event this past weekend. A lot of folks who support and watch and enjoy watching live golf are going to say those events have been great examples of how successful team golf can be, albeit confusing for some of us who have been watching. Um, how do we feel? Do we feel, are we feeling better about team golf now than maybe we did a few months ago when it was a little more foreign and not as fresh on the, on the brain? I think a little bit, but at the end of the day, whether it be the Live Tour, whether it be the PGA Tour, whether it be the DP World Tour, um, they're never gonna be able to replicate team golf on a national scale. You know, you're playing for your country in the Ryder Cup, Walker Cup, uh, the President's Cup. They're never going to be able to have that emotion. You know, you wake up in the morning, like Max Hum was talking about it. He said, he was talking to his wife, and he said something along the lines of, you know, you put on the red and white and blue, and you, you just you want to play for it, you know, from the, on the American side of things. So I think team golf is very compelling, but it's going to be hard for them to kind of replicate what it, they have in the President's Cup, how successful it was. They may be able to replicate that part of it, but I think kind of getting the emotion in it is going to be very difficult. Um, to do in team golf. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think on the live side, team golf is confusing for the casual viewer, especially if you're not watching week in, week out. You're not going to remember who's on what teams, what the team names are. That will take that sort of affinity takes years to build up. Same and, teams, one every week. Right, <laughs> and there's that too. <laughs> um, so that's going to take time to make that team format more compelling. Um, Obviously, the President's Cup, yes, you've got the, the 
patriotic components, I guess, of course. Um, more so in the Ryder Cup than in the President's Cup, I think. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's just an exhibition. Like, it's not the same as right. a tour event. And They're I not think any money, yeah. until team golf, and even if you, you know, you take the, the I was trying to mull over some ideas of how team golf could be incorporated into the regular schedule so that it could mean something in pursuit of the FedEx Cup because right that has like mm -hmm. the two have to be linked and I think with all of these um, event changes that the PGA Tour is, is looking at implementing literally in the next you know year to two years I think team golf is there there's a way to make it happen there's a, a way to make it work without it being unfair or without it uh, favoring certain people who pair up together under certain circumstances. Imagine a scenario where there's uh, a, a tour event for FedEx Cup points where the two best players in world ranking mm. play together. You, you just couldn't, you couldn't do that. It wouldn't work. Um, but I do think that there's a way to incorporate it in. Um, it would look probably more like the kinds of handicapped events that we that you see at your local golf course or country club, as opposed to what people have been accustomed to in tournament golf over the last three to four decades. But I think it's a way, there is a way for team golf um, to be incorporated in, in a more meaningful way into the PGA Tour, which I think is eventually where we're going to get with it, because Live isn't going away, obviously. They're oh. going to keep doing the team thing. And eventually, people will start to catch on and will start to understand who's on what team and everything like that. Um, so at some point, I think it's going to have to happen. And it can't just happen once a year. President's Cup is awesome. Ryder Cup is awesome. Like it, They're very exciting, entertaining weeks of golf. If you're the PGA Tour, why wouldn't you want to tap into that more often? Yeah, I I agree. You know, if they can find a way to make it, you know, relatively, I I think the most important part. You start getting into like a you know, possible handicap situation <laughs> with that. I think you need to make sure it's it's easy to easy to follow for the viewer. Yeah. You know, you know, people that play golf a lot. You know, me, you, anybody can kind of figure that out by looking at it. But I'm just trying to think of. You know the golfer that goes out and plays once a week on Sunday, and they they watch the tour events. They watch the tour event Sunday afternoon, and they haven't been following it the last three days. Right. So they just look at the scoreboard and they say, well, that group's eight under. Why aren't they in the lead? The group at five under is in the lead, and then it could get confusing at that aspect. So I think if they can find a way, I like your idea a lot. They can find a way to make that compelling and, and easy to follow for the average viewer. I think they really do have something there. Take the top hundred players. Match one up with 100, two with 99, three with 98, and keep going. You got 50 teams. That's a good idea. There, there's your fix. And do like three or four events like that throughout the throughout the tour season. Put some FedEx Cup points on it. Let Bryson and Patrick Reed play together for once. Let them play one together, event, right? <laughs> and who, you know, and there you maybe you can start to get people cozied up to the idea of seeing smaller team events and obviously not team in terms of like you know six player teams or 12 or, or you know 14 player teams um, like some other events so but something kind of a team-ish thing i like that idea. it'd be interesting i like the top 100 idea i hope you're watching out there jay monahan and we'll see if that's in the schedule next year <laughs> just just drop it in next year i'm sure it won't <laughs> cause any issues at all uh live and fox live might be living on fox but maybe not the way most people think. So like what you did there. Liv is now refuting claims that they are going to buy airtime with Fox Sports. 
Uh, they say they have many media partners who are interested in hosting, um, hosting tournaments. So question is, we've talked before about the YouTube streaming numbers, which are not that impressive. Um, for Liv, what are your thoughts on a potential deal here with, uh, between Fox and Liv? I love the idea for Liv, for all the idea, for all the parts we were just talking about the President's Cup. They can control what's being showed. Right. By paying for it, they can choose who sponsors. I mean, I, they can choose who sponsored it, where they sponsor it, how they sponsor it. And they yeah. kind of have f more full control over it. And like I said earlier, too, money won't be an issue. They'll be able to throw enough money at Fox Sports 1, at any of those major companies. Yep. Um, Fox is, like, like you said, the one that's rumored the most to get in there. But I think it could be a really good po part for Liv to kind of jump into that game and be able to get their, or to get their products on millions of televisions in the US. And I think they could really go somewhere with that. You know, being able to just be on Fox Fox and having Fox's production crew kind of decide what, sh what shots they want to show and what times they're at, like that kind of thing could be kind of tricky for Liv because then Fox could kind of change the narrative of the whole tour. But I think by being able to control themselves on a national te television product, they can really push their product out there and show what they mean and what they want to do and, and possibly even monetize at the end of the day because the money up front won't be an issue, but maybe the money could come in at the end when people start liking the product that's being shown versus the PGA Tour product that's being shown that may or may not be, well, most likely not be showing correctly right now because they're not showing the talent on television every day week. Yeah, it's interesting because it kind of flips the whole traditional media dynamic on its head, right? Mm -hmm. Usually yeah. you've got, um, usually you've got NBC, ABC, ESPN, whoever, uh, Fox uh, battling to be the winner of and paying money to the, the entity to show the product versus this where you have it working backwards, basically. Um, I'm selling the idea very aggressively that there are other networks bidding on this right. and that they are going to be involved in a traditional media uh, league relationship. They're not. There's no way. Right. I don't see a scenario where Fox, NBC, you name it, where they get involved in that way um, with uh, with the Saudi-backed league. Because look, when it comes right down to it, at that stage, what are we even doing? Like, what? What? They, who cares who plays in what leagues? Who cares who's taking what money? Who cares? Like, none of that stuff matters if you're going to just give this league that's backed by very suspect uh, very suspect folks, to, to put it lightly, um, the same treatment as all of the others that are going about it the quote unquote right way. Right. And for Liv, why do they give a crap? Why would they want to be involved? They're like, to me, if, yeah, like you said, if they really care about changing the game in a positive way, why aren't they just doing this outright buying airtime because it's a way for them to control the product and actually yeah. make the product better. Right, I love that idea for them, for what they want to do. I mean, it, it's, you know, if you want to talk about doing something good for, for the game of golf and doing mm -hmm. something good for professional viewing of golf, that's it. Best way to go. Yeah. But I don't, I, what do you think? Do you think there are other networks actually bidding to try and get Live Golf on, on their network? No, I'm with you on that. It's, I, it's crazy. It's always been just Fox has been the idea. Yeah. Um, CBS is obviously involved in football. NBC has golf. So 
I don't think any of those parent companies would kind of get involved. I've, right. I've always, from the start of this, I've heard Fox has been, I don't know if interested is the right word, but kind of intrigued by the idea of it. So I think if any, if there's any kind of company out there bidding for it, I think it's just Fox, and I think they're blowing a little bit of smoke, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and another long-standing, we can get into another long-standing uh, live issue here that we've been talking about, world ranking points. Yeah. Uh, Roy McElroy had a really interesting quote that I'm going to read because I don't want to get this incorrect um, about Dustin Johnson and where he ranks in the world. Obviously, we've seen a lot of um, Rory's fired his share of shots at live. Mm -hmm. So this a lot of folks felt like this this quote that he that was featured in, uh, I believe, SI um, earlier this week with Bob uh, Bob Herrick's story is a big step in a different direction. So Rory says, if Dustin Johnson is somehow 100th in the world, it's not an accurate reflection of where he is in the game. But at the same time, you can't make up your own rules. There's criteria there. Everyone knows what they are. And if they want to pivot to meet the criteria, they can. Uh, he said he doesn't have a problem with ranking points at all, uh, but you have to meet the criteria. And it's interesting because we went through a couple episodes ago all of the things that Liv would have to do in order to uh, make their events qualify for world golf ranking points. It's a long list. Yes. Not a not a short list of of um, not a short list of things. But I'm curious, when you read the quote, what what were your what were your thoughts on on that? I as most Rory quotes, I agree with them. I mean, because I mean, if we're gonna have Dustin Johnson outside the top 100, then. He's, he's ranked, right. I believe he's ranked around 45th to 50th. But he'll fall right outside now. the top 100 in the next oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yes. I mean, it's, it's not an accurate representation at all, in my opinion. You know, it's, it's looking at kind of how, what are we doing here? If Dustin Johnson's outside the 100, he's proved night and day and night out that he's, him, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler, have your ranking in the top three there. They're, they're the top three best players in the world. And in my mind, and, and anyone who watches golf's mind, they are. And I think that's going to be interesting to see if they can gain that uh, OWGR points because it's, like Rory said, it's not an accurate, accurate ranking to look at if Dustin Johnson's not there or Cameron Smith's not there too at, at the end of the day because they are one of the best players. They are the, the top players in golf. Whether what tour they on doesn't matter to my opinion. So for how long does it not matter, I guess? Right, because I get that to me is where you kind of start to get into a gray area. Right now, right this second, and perhaps for the next calendar year, we can say, yes, Dustin Johnson is in fact one of the best players in the world. Cam Smith, one of the best players in the world, maybe the best player in the world. Um, but I kind of disagree with the philosophy of what Rory is saying because it discounts how deep professional golf is. We just had quite a long conversation right. about how deep professional golf is. And by saying that, you're almost assuming that, that DJ would have won golf tournaments this year or would have won golf tournaments in the second half of the year coming down mm -hmm. the stretch. Um, if he's racking up you know, top 20s, top 30s, maybe an occasional top 10, um, he'd be doing it in really deep competitive fields on the PGA Tour. And maybe he'd be ranked you know, in the 10 to 30 range. Maybe he'd kind of bounce 
in that area. But does that mean that he's one of the best golfers in the world in the way that he is right now being framed as literally probably one of the best five player, best five players on the planet? Does that happen? I think so. He's Dustin Johnson. You know, he's been he's been there night in night out for the last 10, 15 years of his career, and he's not going anywhere in the next few years. Maybe in the 10 years, he certainly will be, just because of the common decline gone. of a person. But yeah. I think I just can't go back. I go back to what Rory said. He's got to be. How? What are we doing with a ranking where there Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith falls out of the top 100 in a year? Paul's working on rankings. Where's he ranked right now? Yeah, uh, currently Dustin Johnson's 23rd. Uh, okay. Other guys around him are guys like Kevin Kisner, Abe Anser, yeah, uh, those guys. 50, I think so, I saw. Yeah. so there you go. So in the next, he would probably by the end of next year fall in toward that like 45 to 60 range. Yeah. And then perhaps a little further after that, another year or so, be further into the, the wind. But and, and for what it's worth, he, at the end of the 2021 season, he was third. Yes. So yeah. that's, that is a 20-spot so, drop. Yeah. So he's going to lose an average of 20-ish spots in world golf ranking every year that he doesn't compete on tour, minus the points that he gains from playing in majors. If he wins, God, if he wins major or any of these guys, it will help them along in that right. fight. It will help them stop the bleeding to a degree. Um, but I, I, you know, to me, it just it keeps defaulting back to this: when you stop competing in these events with these really deep competitive fields that the PGA Tour is putting on now all the time, especially in the new format, the new, the new I'll say the, the, the future format, where you have these exclusive top 60 or top 70 whatever events, you're going to have a really hard time arguing that like those aren't the fields to be in, right. period. And it'll make the live events under those circumstances look a little bit more like exhibition events than they already are. Right. It's tough. If, no, you are 100%. But what if, like you said, though, what if Cameron Smith or uh, <laughs> Dustin Johnson, they win a major next year? It could be. I, it could happen. I, in both of, I don't think anybody, no matter how they feel about Liv, no matter how they feel about, like, for what I'm saying about, about Dustin Johnson isn't as much a knock on him as a player. It's where do you draw the line or where does that, that uh, leeway that he's being given, where does it end? Right. Right, I, nobody's going to argue that like he, he or Cam Smith could go and win all of the majors next year. Nobody would be surprised if they just split them, you know. Mm-hmm. And they've both got the game to they've both got the game to do it. Um, and the same can be said for any future player that that would defect in the top twenty um, right now, just because of how deep golf is. Right. But speaking of that, defections, does it feel like? And there's a tweet, I think, that's going to get uh, thrown up on the screen here in a couple minutes. Um, Tom Kim is kind of the, the new prized uh, possession of the, the PGA Tour. And there's been a lot, of, a lot of tweets and a lot of talk about not letting him uh, disappear into the, the, the live world. Um, do you think any of the, say, 15 to 20 best players right now that haven't gone to live do we think they're going to go? I don't. I don't see no. it personally. No, most I of think them the, discounted it. I think the big defections are over. I think the live field is more or less set. Victor Hovland is the one player. Yes. That I see on these lists that feels a bit like um, a maybe, like maybe he he would 
consider jumping, but I just I don't I don't see I certainly don't see a, a Tom Kim going. No. And we've already seen Liv throw or attempt to throw really big money um, at other players, international players in particular. So I, I would assume that they're going to try to start to uh, lure uh, more players from the uh, that have the Asian backing. Right. Um, just because of the the gains that could be made with uh, audiences in Asia. Uh, they struck out with Hakidak Matsuyama. But if they got Hideki, they would have really controlled huge. it. Because they huge. would have gotten a lot of those bottom feeder guys to kind of follow him. Right. Because he means that much yeah. to them. So, like, you didn't get him, and is that kind of the final, you know... I, I think it presents a really interesting future outlook for, um, for Liv. Because it's very easy to get caught up in the moment and kind of just thinking about these events week to week, but what's live going to look like in a couple? Like money's no object, but in a couple of years, when some of your players start to decline a little bit because of age or because of whatever the case may be, and some of your big brands aren't there to support your big player brands, aren't there to be the household names that people still want to watch, what do you? Like what happens to live then? Do they start? Do they have to start going after college, like college graduates? Yeah, I think they will do that. But I, they're just kind of banking on getting a guy like Cameron Smith to kind of build the rest of the guys up. Because at the end of the day, I think they're still going to want that athlete inside of you. Still going to want to chase right. that number one spot, regardless of the money. I know we always talk about how, you know, you, you play for that much money. How much is too much money at that aspect to kind of root for yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. But I still think, you know, a guy like Cameron Smith, is, he's still going to want to win majors. So, you know, we always, I know I have joked about, you know, what's the incentive to play well on the live tour? You know, what's the expensive to go hit 500 golf balls a day? Yeah. For guys like Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith who can kind of, Dustin Johnson can kind of plot his way around the golf course and, and win a ton of money on the live tour. But I think a guy like Cameron Smith still wants to work on his legacy. So he's still going to work for those majors to hit, you know, practice and become the best golfer he can be. So I think that'll kind of, they're kind of hoping to live tour uh, enthusiasts anyway, that'll trickle down into the rest of the guys. And they'll be able to kind of keep that fire up of the live tour and keep that, that good golf around. But like you said, that could happen where it could just kind of turn on its back. And I don't think they're prepared for that. It's tough to prepare for it because you just think about how these big brand, you know, how does a Brooks Kepka, how does a Bryson DeChambeau, how, do, how did Tiger Woods, how did Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, any of these guys become what they were? They were nobodies, and they played their way into being something. And there isn't that, I'm going to call it like amateur to professional path in live. So how are you going to have a college kid who just graduated morph into that brand or become that thing. Does winning live tournaments, is that enough to develop that, that brand that becomes as large as a Bryson DeChambeau mm -hmm. or even a Cam Smith present day? I don't, I don't think so, right? No, like it, doesn't seem, right. it doesn't seem like it's possible. So maybe, the, maybe their method is going to be every few years, see who they can poach from the tour. Right. If, a really, if some kind of working relationship isn't, isn't figured out after all the court battles and everything else are done. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, Patrick Reed's suing more people. <laughs> That's shocking, right? That was kind of a wild thing because I, I, first, I first read that he pulled the lawsuit out and he was just going to just be done with it. Yeah. But he refiled it. He refiled it to get yeah. <laughs> guys like Damon Hack, 
Shane Bacon, and she just added more guys, and if the money really didn't change, still $750 million. But does he have any chance? I mean, doesn't it look strange to just refile? This has got to be the this has got to be the dumbest thing ever, right? Like, first of all, I'd just like to say Damon Hack has one of the greatest golf analyst names in the history of like anything. I don't know. Is it better than Shane Bacon? I don't know. Shane Hack, Bacon's a great name too. There's a lot. There's a lot of golfers hacking it around out there. Especially me. <laughs> um, I don't know, so it's it's a modern day golf version of just a, a old school slap lawsuit, right? Yeah. Against it, just stop saying bad things about me. <laughs> you know, like is that it? And also, I think the Reed camp has done a really good job of just exaggerating the living hell out of everything around this. Like he's it, everybody's betting against him, rooting against him. You know, the the people who. Obviously, there are people, trolls on the internet, who say he's a cheater. There are some other folks who, who've, you know, criticized him for the way he's played or whatever the case may be. Um, but I think so much of that is just overblown. It's not right. in the the everyday, everyday sort of ether. Um, you know, I, I started reading part of the lawsuit, and then I just started laughing because it starts out by saying that his his working conditions have been made. Um, made really toxic basically because of these few like golf analysts and personalities like you're a celebrity <laughs> you're a celebrity worth millions of dollars making millions of dollars that just comes with it like that comes with the territory like are we not going to cover sports anymore are we not going right. to like have debates about who's better or worse or who you know maybe bends the rules to their advantage more or less or doesn't I mean it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But is it the craziest thing that Patrick Reed has done in this summer? I think that he so he left the he left PGA Tour to go on the Live Tour, and he cited he wants to spend more time with his family. A lot of guys cited this, right? <laughs> Patrick Reed has played in five events in September, or will play in five events in September. Yeah, that's a remarkable number. That's not you're not seeing your family a lot. You're playing, you're playing in five no. events in September, two Live events and some other European tour events. But that, that might not even be crazier to me than filing a, you said something wrong, you said something wrong to me lawsuit. I mean, yeah. that combined with that, it's like, what, what is he doing? Like, I mean, I just, crazy. I, I, I wish this, if, if, if it ever got to trial, I wish this would just be like televised because it would just be hilarious. It would basically be the, the Reed attorneys just throwing up tweet after tweet after tweet of, of Reed getting trolled into oblivion. It would be the best Use thing ever. Use golf facts. Use golf facts. Hearsay. A lot of hearsay. A lot of hearsay. Yeah. yeah. It would just, it, it would be the epitome sort of of what the, the Reed caricature has become, which is just this guy who, uh, he's got a unique personal life. He's got a... a will say uh, a lot of baggage as a professional golfer and he's got a reputation that's followed him since college. Yep. And at the end of the day, there's not a lot more you can say about him. He's right. a great golfer. Like nobody's nobody's ever denied the fact that he's a great golfer, which I think is the most ironic part of all this. Nobody's ever oh, yeah. looked at him and said he's he the guy can't play golf. He can play golf. He's not a he's not Justin Thomas, he's not Cam Smith. But He's Jordan Spieth-esque, I would say. Right? He's a master champion. Yeah, he's 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 a player. Yeah, it is, he's got a unique family at the end of the day too, oh, yeah. and that doesn't help him out either. But 
he's Patrick Reed, and he does a lot of things, and a lot of things kind of come back to bite him, and he kind of does it to himself a little bit, kind of similar to how Bryson does. But yep, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. All right, I think we've talked enough about the professionals. How about we talk a little amateur golf, New York State? Why not? So New York State mid-am wrapped up. Uh, Billy Billy Haynes came out with a victory at the New York State men's mid-amateur at Seven Oaks Golf Club. Um, a partner in crime here, Josh Durso, was able to play in the qualifier at Blue Heron not too long ago. Uh, Josh, let's hear some of your thoughts on that event and kind of where you are, where you start standing with, with that whole thing. Good experience. Uh, did not play my best golf. Um, kind of went in with a, a wonky game plan and probably would do quite a few things differently in the lead up and then actually executing day of. Um, but very cool, very interesting to see. Um, I, I'm always so interested to see how golf courses get set up for events like that because I've played Blue Heron a number of times in sort of the, the weekender, weekender edition. Mm-hmm. Um, but it always amazes me how even for these quote we'll call them like low level amateur events because in truth that's what the mid am is yep. um how they golf course uh, superintendents and the folks who are getting these courses ready will will definitely do some things to to make it a little more difficult make it a little more uh, a little more of a challenge and drive up scoring a bit mm-hmm. compared to what you would typically see um but very cool event it's it's always cool getting to see uh other good golfers play in different environments, people from clubs all over the place. Because even though the qualifiers are regional, um, you get people like helicoptering in basically, like just parachuting in that day, driving for five hours sometimes to, to get, because that's the qualifier that they can fit into their schedule, driving a long ways to play and possibly qualify. Right. Um, there were about 25 participants, uh, four or five spots wound up uh, being able to advance um, to the, the state mid-am. And uh, yeah, I'll probably end up doing it again. Yeah, I, I really think you, you did an awesome job and did a great job representing Silver Creek here in Waterloo. I think it was pretty pretty fun to look at those qualifying schedules. <laughs> and you see, you know, you see Aronicoy, you see Country Club of Rochester, you see Blue Heron, and then Silver Creek Golf Club. So I think uh, really good kudos to you kind of uh, going out there and representing who we are, and we can't thank you enough for it. But congratulations to Billy for taking home the, the championship. Three-day yeah. total, four under par. But all of his rounds under par. Yep. Did not post an over par round of golf. That is, that is yep. like we say, that's some golf. That is some golf. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, drop us a line or question. Uh, the email is outofbounds at fingerlakes1.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll drop links in the show notes. For Nate Sharman, I'm Josh Durso. Remember, whether it's down the middle or out of bounds, just keep on swinging. Shh.